So like I said, we're, today we're talking about the fear of man as it relates to work. Um, one of the wonderful things about prepping for a gospel growth has been the realization every time I prepare a lesson that uh, the lesson impacts me directly. I, uh, there's always a lesson, you know, there's a couple lessons I've prepared for that I thought, uh, this isn't really, this doesn't really pertain to me. And even when I thought, or even when I, I when Lucas told me I was going to be teaching, he didn't tell me I was going to be teaching on fear of man, but he, he asked me and you, I didn't say no. Um, you, I mean, I, I don't know how I would say no to that. Uh, but when he, he gave me the topic, um, I thought, do I struggle with fear of man? I don't think so. Uh, but I do. Every single week, I realize that I struggle with fear of man. Um, and this topic is, is no different. So, um, so we've, in, we've, I don't know what week we're in. Four something, five, five I think. Um, and we've covered, we've covered what is the fear of man, what is the fear of God. And then we've laid out uh, some specific things. We've talked about evangelism, uh, sex was last week, and now this week is work. Um, and so... Uh, as you like, as if you remember from, from lessons I've taught, uh, I like to, like to kind of go a little slow, lay a nice foundation for what we're going to be discussing. Um, so before we get into the focal point of the lesson today, um, we're first going to talk about a biblical, we're going to lay down, lay a foundation of a biblical theology for work. Now, as the Lord's sovereignty would have it, Luke Balsma and Dave Cush taught on um, uh, uh, Christians in the workplace just a few months ago. And so um, I am going to shamelessly steal and borrow heavily from Luke's lesson, which was called Understanding a Biblical Theology of Work. Um, so we're going to go through that. Uh, he spent 30 minutes talking about that. I don't have that much time, uh, although I did keep you guys for a long time last week. Um, but I'm going to cut it down this week. Uh, so we're going to go through that, and then we're going to talk about how our work, um, how fear of man uh, kind of relates to our work. So... Uh, so yes, biblical theology works. Biblical theology of work starts with God's work. Okay, God. Uh, it also, I want to point out that I'm not using the projector this time. I've used it twice and failed twice. It's not because the projector didn't work. It's because I wasn't working. Uh, so I have decided to skip it. But I do value uh, as as a person sitting where you're sitting. I do value knowing what the outline is so I can take uh, organized notes. Uh, if you're not organized, then this will be great for you. Um, if you are organized, I'll try to delineate the, the main points. So the first one is a biblical theology of work. And there's a subpoint, subpoint down here, is God's work. Okay, so uh, God was the first worker. We see this in Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The creation account shows us that the Lord took the path of work to bring creation, to bring humanity into existence. And he could have snapped his fingers and been done with it in a split second, but he deliberately chose a pattern of work and rest, which, um, which Josh talked about today, um, that we even keep today, right? We keep this pattern of work and rest, and God chose that pattern to bring, uh, to, to bring about creation. Uh, and then furthermore, we see that Jesus didn't just sit around for 30 years before his ministry began, but he worked, right? Jesus was a carpenter. And then uh, later in, in John 1, we read that um, Jesus work, did work as the creator, um, and he would eventually do work for us uh, as a teacher, as a healer, and as our savior. And then Genesis 1.27 kind of leads us to our next point. It says, so God created man in his image. 
In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. Now, we are created in the image of God, and so that means that our work somehow probably relates to God's work. So let's, second sub-point down here, uh, man's work, okay? We have directives from God in Genesis 1.28 and Genesis 2.15 um, about work. And so uh, Genesis 1.28 says, uh, And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And then Genesis 2.15 says, The Lord God took man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. Um, and uh, I'm quoting Luke Bausma here, who quotes someone else, uh, Sebastian Traeger and Robert Klein. He, quote, he says, uh, Why were they, speaking of Adam and Eve, why were they to do this? Uh, because they were created in the image of God. Just as God created, they were to create. Just as God ordered and managed, they were to order and manage. Just as God created a fruitful and flourishing world, they were to protect and advance this flourishing and fruitfulness. Their job as God's representatives was to take what God had begun and carry it on to show off his glory. And then uh, to quote a, uh, a quite prolific teacher and writer, Luke Bausma, um, he says, not only were they to tend to the garden, but Adam was tasked with the responsibility to name all the animals. All of this work took place before the fall. God's intention was that they would continue to work just as he had worked. And then another writer says, uh, paradise was not just a life of leisured unemployment. So there, 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 from, from, from creation, there has, been a, a, there has been work that humanity does that we do. Um, and this was present before the fall, and we see that, um, we, we do that now. Um, and then Luke Bausma says, the purpose of work is the advancement of human flourishing to the glory of God. So hold on to that for a second. Okay, the purpose of work is the advancement of human flourishing to the glory of God. Okay, we're gonna, so we're going to wrap up our theology of work with two more points. Um, we've looked at God's work and man's work, and then the third is fallen work. Okay, that's the other subpoint. Um, after the fall, um, Adam and Eve are now sinners, right? They're cast out of the garden, and they no longer are in a perfect paradise. It's clear from Scripture that um, that the curse impacted uh, more than just, uh, or it impacted work on multiple fronts, okay? So in Genesis 11, we see man putting in a tremendous amount of work, um, doing something. Anybody know what is Genesis 11? You know, because you read the manuscript, but you also might know just because you're advanced and you know things. Tower of Babel, yes, good. Um, yeah, man put in an incredible amount of work to build the Tower of Babel. Uh, which was to make a name for themselves, right? And so uh, the fall impacted work to such a degree that we're no longer working for God's glory, we're working for, uh, for our own glory. And I'm sure that uh, if, if all of you, that, that would be, this is time in your notes, if you take notes, uh, to write down how am I working for man's glory versus God's glory. That would be a good thing to reflect on if, uh, if you're the reflecting type. Um, Okay, and then another example of how the fall has impacted our work is in Genesis 3, verses 17 and 19 say, And to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the plants of the field. By sweat of your face you shall eat of bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, and t- for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. 
So um, if it were not enough that uh, the curse impacted our hearts towards work, right? Um, it also impacts the very materials that we work with. The ground that Adam and Eve were, were originally uh, directed to tend to is now cursed and going to work against them. Um, so let's look at how our work has been redeemed, okay? So three subpoints. This, this other one, the last one is redeemed work. Um, I've been doing that. Subpoint, okay. Uh, because work involves operating within this world, uh, it's under a curse. However, one major piece of the puzzle has been solved, right? We've been redeemed. Um, and to quote that, again, prolific writer and, uh, and speaker, Luke Bausma, he says, uh, though the gospel doesn't change the condition of your work, it does change the condition of your heart. So although we're still fighting against the materials and the elements in this world in our work, our heart has been redeemed, and that, that alters a part of that puzzle. And so it, it allows us uh, to move from worshiping work to worshiping Christ, right? We repent of idleness, and we repent of our fear of man. As children of God, we understand that our purpose for work is to glorify God. So we, we can come back to that. We can come back to that original purpose, which is our work is to glorify God. So that's it. That is our biblical, biblical theology of work. Make sure you say thanks to Luke. Uh, and now I have a number of pages that I wrote myself. Uh, so let's get into that. And the lesson might go downhill from here. So we'll see. <laughs> yeah, so like I said, I sent out a survey this week to about 20 people in this room, um, which is crazy that I know 20 people. Um, now, to, to give you a little bit of background, I'm a product designer. Uh, and a large par portion of uh, the, the process I work through every day or every week uh, involves a, a good amount of uh, research. So I don't just jump into designing something. Um, I spend most, probably more than 50% of my time doing research. And so um, I'll, I'll design a, a user research study and I'll sit down with clients and uh, work through that to understand how they use an existing product or um, how, if they can use like a, a concept of a product or something like that. Um, we'll go through questionnaires and stuff. Um, and so uh, it's been well documented uh, and studied that in order to discover about 85% of the usability issues, so for you guys, maybe I'm speaking in bad terms that you don't understand, but if you use an app, I would only have to ask five of you to discover 85% of the issues in that app. So if you guys use an app and you're constantly tapping on a button that doesn't uh, do what you expect it to do, I would probably discover, I wouldn't have to talk to everyone to figure that out. I would talk to maybe three to five of you to figure that out. Um, that's a fun little statistic. Uh, and it allows me to go to my boss and say, I only have to talk to five people. I don't wanna talk to all those people, just a few of them, that's great. Uh, so anyways, that has very little, uh, it's loosely connected to what I, what, the survey, uh, which is that I just wanted to understand you guys a bit more. It's the life I, I live in, uh, you know, Monday through Friday, my nine to five. And, uh, and so I wanted to understand you guys a bit more. So I sent out this survey and uh, I, it was very eye-opening. I got a lot of overlapping responses uh, in regards to fear. You can take these fears, some of these specific fears that people listed and put them into some buckets. Um, that are, that are uh, fairly you know, general and, and overlapping. And so I, I, got some, I got responses from students, supervisors, counselors, uh, designers, administrative assistants, software developers, nurses, accountants, landscapers, stay-at-home moms, scientific researchers, engineers, and fabricators. 
Um, and you guys expressed a number of fears about work, right? So that, and some of them we, we talked about even just a few minutes ago. So fear of incompetence or inadequacy, fear of being let go, um, not being able to provide for your family, concerns from students about having to conform to supported positions or practices that are unbiblical or harmful, fears about becoming bitter towards coworkers, fears about laziness, procrastination, making mistakes and being humiliated, fears of not being respected or having your reputation tarnished by rumor spreading coworkers, fears you won't be respected or thought of highly, fears you'll fail as a parent, fears that you won't advance or have the career you've always wanted, fear of looking dumb in front of your coworkers. Um, so if you remember from last week, what, uh, do, this, is a, this is very subtle. What, do you guys remember from last week, what does fear cause us to do? It's not the, it's not the exposure, rejection, and harm thing. Fear causes us to do, it's kind of two things. Does anyone remember that? Hide. Uh, hide. It's not what I'm thinking of, but yes, that was from last week. Very good, Danny. Yeah. Okay, yeah, so fear causes us to seek protection from the thing that we fear. It often motivates us to change in order to avoid that fearful thing. Um, and that was a long list of fears I just read, but uh, we must be vigilant and mindful uh, of what to do with that fear, right? Do we, when we're seeking protection from it, do we uh, seek protection from it in a way where we run to God, or are we using, or, or is that fear turning into some sort of sinful act? Um, so let's look at, let's do, we're gonna do a little case study. Uh, let's look at a few uh, ways in which our fear can turn us towards sin, okay? So uh, I, I, my, my outline is broken down. The organized people, I'm sorry. Um, it's, it, we're under how, how your fear of man ruins work, okay? How your fear of man ruins work, and then subpoint down here. Um, how our fear of man turns us to sin and impacts our work. Is, is Ben in here, Ben Henderson? There he is. The first time I saw Ben teach a gospel growth, he made all these wonderful sound, sound effects. Um, and I attribute to him being an elementary school teacher. Uh, and so I, when I would cut together his audio for that, um, I would clip out some of the sound effects that he made um, just for my enjoyment. So, so my sound effects are not as whimsical, but that's subpoint. okay? How a fear of man turns us to sin and impacts our work. Um, okay, so what, uh, what kinds of sin can a fear of man cause in our work? Um, I think... Uh, fear has an interesting effect on, our, on us, right? We might be tempted to see ourselves as the victim and excuse our sin. And so we're going to go through a few, a few things, right? So uh, we, might be, uh, um, we might have been rejected by a coworker or classmates for your beliefs and, uh, that are contrary to the current culture. And so uh, you, begin to, you begin to think that you're better than them. Um, maybe you start to change your beliefs contrary to Scripture to fit the popular worldview. Or maybe your boss promotes others with less seniority than you and all your hard work is overlooked, so you grow bitter and angry, and you do the quiet quit kind of thing. You're no longer giving them your best. You're doing the minimum requirements with little to no effort or enthusiasm. Uh, or maybe you feel humiliated because your coworkers found out that you don't have as many certifications or degrees as everyone else, and so you start to lie about your achievements. Um, or maybe your, re your reputation was harmed by a coworker who was spreading rumors about you, and so you respond in kind and you spread your own rumors. Right. These, are, these are real fears of exposure, rejection, and harm, and they may represent injustices done to us, but they don't justify a sinful response. Um, we're called to love our enemy and to leave justice to the Lord. Um, and and it, you know, Psalm 35 is a really wonderful psalm if you're struggling 
um, with responding in kind. Um, if, you're respond, if you're starting with prescribing your own justice, Psalm 35 is, is really great. Um, maybe have that on audio when you're driving. I, I should do that. Um, so we, we just looked at, at how our fears can manifest into real experiences of injustice. And we could go on for hours listing out scenarios uh, wherein our response to the fear of man uh, at work results in sin. Uh, it could be someone that sinned against us and so we retaliate in sin, or maybe it was an honest mistake, but our response to that is lacking grace and is unloving. Um, so let's, let's talk about, now we want to always, there's some surface level, right? Sometimes we respond in sin, it's kind of surface level things. Okay, anger, um, resentment, bitterness, um, but there's, there are root level issues going on, right? If you always tackle this, the symptom, uh, you might always be tackling the symptom, um, but there are root, root things going on. And so let's talk about a root level issue, which is trusting God. Um, <clears throat> so surely at, at the root of some, of some, or if not all of our fears is a lack of trust in God. Um, so let's go through those same scenarios that I just went through. Well, I, I want to highlight um, opportunities to trust God, right? So uh, you've, whoops. Uh, so you've been rejected by your coworkers or classmates for your beliefs that are contrary to current culture, and instead of trusting that God will not let you be put to shame, you respond with pride, or you abandon God and His outdated beliefs. Um, your boss promotes others with less seniority than you, and all your hard work is overlooked. Instead of trusting that God has a plan for your career that's better than your own, you stew in bitterness and anger, and you become a half-hearted, joyless worker. You feel humiliated because your coworkers found out that you don't have as many certifications or degrees as they do. And instead of looking to God and trusting that your identity is secure in him, you, stew in, uh, uh, you, make, up your, you make up lies about your achievements. And then... Um, your, you, maybe your, your reputation was harmed because a coworker spread rumors about you. And instead of trusting that God will have the final say, you take matters into your own hands and spread rumors yourself. So there, there is, there's, there's always an opportunity to, to stop and think, okay, how, how, how am I heading down a path towards sin in this, in this area? Again, it might be an, unjust, an injustice done to you, but it doesn't justify a sinful response. Um, and we're, we're quick we're quick to, to slide down that path towards sin. I, I would imagine um, if this fair amount of, I, I would bet a lot of people in here are probably in their 20s and 30s, you know, 20s to, to mid-30s maybe. Um, I would bet if you sit in a community group with them, I'm, I'm guessing most of the prayer requests are going to be about work. Um, I, I, at my community group, most of the prayer requests are about work. Um, and there's an estimated that you'll, uh, each of us will spend 90,000 hours working through the course of our life. Now, that's a lot of time to be under the thumb of fear. Um, so let's, I want to I transition now and talk about how a fear of God helps our work. That's another point, how fear of God helps our work. Ben suggested to me that I change my voice to, to indicate uh, main points. I don't know how to do that. <laughs> Um, I think Lucas does it pretty good, but I don't know. So, how a, how a fear of God helps our work. Okay. <laughs> uh, okay, so lacking the practice of fearing the Lord makes us bad workers. It amplifies the fact that our work is under the curse, right? The, the fall impacts the actual materials and the environment 
that we work in, and it impacts our hearts, right? It's going to impact um, our hearts and our actions and our motives towards coworkers, towards bosses, towards our employees, uh, and then vice versa. It's going to impact uh, your coworkers and your boss's heart towards you. Uh, we, what we need to do is remember that as new creatures in Christ, we've been redeemed. Our ability to work for the glory of God has been redeemed. The curse will continue to make work difficult, but we can work as God intended for us, which is, is to his glory. Uh, and so as I was reading through the survey responses, um, I, could, I, I, could, I could, if I could tie all of those, again, these, tie these, these fears listed to humility, obedience, and prayer, there was one that stood out to the most to me, which is prayer. And we'll get to that one in a second, but I, I want to go through humility first. And so now some of you, and I'm not calling on just the survey responders, okay, some of you, all of you, uh, might need to practice humility at work. You might need to be more willing to admit that you don't know how to do something and ask for help. You might need to stop hiding behind false achievements or, or, uh, or your coworkers' false perception of your skills and abilities. Humility causes us to be honest and to honor those above us. We see examples of honest humility in Psalm 15 and in Genesis 39. Psalm 15 uh, says, He who walks blamelessly and does what is right and speaks truth in his heart, who does not slander with his tongue and does no evil to his neighbor, nor takes up a reproach against his friend, in whose eyes a vile person is despised, but who honors those who fear the Lord, who swears to his own hurt and does not change. So God is glorified in us and in our work when we are humbly honest, even when it hurts ourselves even when it hurts ourselves. So that, that last part, who swears to his own hurt. So even in work, when you have to confess something uh, in humility, that you did something wrong and it might damage your career or might damage your standing with your boss in some way, we're called to do that. We're called to work in a humble way. Uh, and then in Genesis 39, we see the same idea. This is, this, is a, this is a part of the story of Joseph, right? Joseph was sold into slavery and he was bought by Potiphar. Uh, and despite terrible circumstances, uh, and the injustice that he faced, you know, along the way, um, he served his master dutifully and honorably and humbly, uh, even to the point of rejecting Potiphar's wife because he held his master in such high esteem. Now, some of you uh, might need to start obeying God and working for the Lord and not man. Um, let the Lord have the louder say in your career. Give him control. Stop working for the approval of your boss or the accolades you could receive work for the betterment of the community and the world. Uh, glorify God by being a dedicated, disciplined, and dutiful worker. First um, Timothy 6.1 says, uh, it, it, or rather it directs us to, the, to uh, regard our masters as worthy of honor, knowing that we're serving the Lord and not man. And Romans 12.18 tells us to live peaceably with all. Um, and then in Philippians 2 verses 14 and 15 were especially convicting to me. It says, do all things without grumbling or disputing. If you know me, I'm a grumbler. Uh, and I even grumbled to my boss just earlier this week because we changed healthcare plans and now the dentist I've been seeing for 10 years, I can't see him anymore. Um, and I'm, I'm grumbling now to all of you. So. <laughs> You're like, Zach. You're, yeah, sorry. I'm not perfect. I'm just standing up here reading words. So uh, it says, do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights of the world. We should stand out as good workers, right? We should, our bosses and our coworkers should look at us and, and think that we are different in some way um, because of the work that we do, because we glorify God in our work. So may, 
<clears throat> so maybe like you need to, uh, you know, obedience uh, looks like leaving, le- living peaceably in your work environment, not gr- grumbling or complaining. Now prayer. Uh, I'm over. Gosh. Um, the need for prayer stood out to me the most because as I read your responses, um, a lot of the reasons that you guys listed felt pretty big. They were big things. Um, fearing that uh, you're going you're gonna to fail as a parent. Fearing that um, all the years and tens of thousands of dollars you spent on school will be for naught if you don't comply um, to sta- current standards uh, or unbiblical positions and practices. Fearing that you'll lose your job and not be able to support your family. Uh, those feel like really big things to me. There are things that might happen. Uh, there are things that might happen in a few years. There are a number of years off. Or, or there are things that, that happen and you don't notice that they're happening. Um, and the, there are things that we can mitigate. There are things we can do to mitigate those, those types of fears. Um, but fear has a, a way of rooting itself deep in our hearts, where even if, even if it isn't a practical thing, even if it's something that's far off, um, the fear is still buried in our hearts. And so what do we do about that? Well, we pray. Prayer is an expression of our trust in God. Do we trust the Lord when we ask him, give us this day our daily bread? Do we trust that today is the Lord's day um, that he has made? Can we rejoice in that? In prayer, you can share the hardest things in, and your deepest fears about your work, and the Lord will listen. You can ask him for wisdom and knowledge to do your work well, and he'll provide. And you can ask him for help in overcoming adversity, and he will fight on your behalf. So let's talk about some practical ways to deal with, practical ways to deal with fears. Uh, the survey sent out had some really great tips. Um, this lesson has been really great. I was out of town for a few days this week, so I didn't have a lot of time to prepare it. Um, and so I, re- I relied on Luke Balsma to write a part of it, and all of you, uh, because you guys gave me some really great practical ways to deal with fear, and I'm going to list them out. Um, some of you keep a log. You keep a log of scripture uh, that is specific to you and, uh, and your fears that, that uh, so you can look at it whenever those fears surface, right? So this is Psalm 119.11. It says, I've stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Right? Fear causes some ugly reactions, uh, and keeping the Lord's word close to our hearts is a great remedy for not acting on those fears. Um, another one is ident- identifying idols or other sins that are causing you to react in fear. This is that root-level stuff. Um, so don't just look at the symptom and try to, you know, you, you see the symptom pop up and you pray against it, but look deeper. Um, find what else is going on in your heart that's causing you to react in a sinful way. Um, uh, and then some of you have sought wise counsel and growing in knowledge um, to combat fear. This one's really great. I love this one. Um, one, of the, one of the best ways I've combated sin in my life is to, by talking to people uh, and, and learning more about that, that sin. Um, this, you know, Proverbs 12, 15 says, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice, right? You're relying on the members of the body of Christ. You're inviting members of the body of Christ in to help you. You're seeking knowledge and wisdom through learning, right? You're doing something active. You're not passively waiting for the Lord just to take the sin out of your life. Uh, you're doing something, um, to, to combat that sin. Uh, and then some of you've made a regular practice to remind yourself of the Lord's goodness, despite Despite bleak circumstances, maybe you need to wake up every day and remind yourself that the Lord is good, that he's provided you with a job to support yourself or your family, um, and, and that is a good thing. 
Um, <clears throat> I think one of the biggest problems we've, we, is we, that we forget who God is. Uh, and the, my favorite, my favorite uh, uh, hymn, we've sang it today, is Come Thou Fount, right? It says, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love, right? We, we forget that God loves us. We look at our circumstances and quickly surmise that, uh, that the Lord must not care about us very much. Um, I'm reading a book right now. I'm reading Gentle and Lowly with a friend. Um, and every chapter has, the author has some really nice things that he says about God, really good, deeply rooted truths about God. And every chapter, I'll take a couple of those things and I add them to a list of just, of, you know, truths about God. It's a really sweet thing to be able to read through that list uh, on days when I'm feeling melancholy, um, which is most days. Um, but that was a joke. <laughs> Sort of. Okay. Um, and then some of you, last one, some of you are relying on coworkers for help, right? You're willing to be humble and admit to your coworker that you need help, that you value their feedback and opinion, um, right? This is a great way to live differently in front of non-believers. Um, so yeah, fear has a way of paralyzing us through and throwing us into despair. I want to encourage you guys to confront your fears by trusting that God is working for your good, right? We need to trust that the Lord has us where we are for a reason, Psalm 31 says, my times are in your hand. You know, maybe the Lord is using our fear to reveal aspects of our work that we need to submit to him. Maybe he's calling us to change in some way. He could be calling us out of laziness and fraud to be doing humble and obedient and prayerful work. He could be using our fears uh, at work uh, by, or, or uh, it, it's, uh, the Lord will use our fears to show us how we need to depend on him at work. And that's a good that's a good thing. The Lord will the Lord by any means will 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 keep us near to Him. That's a blessing. So uh, last week I encourage you guys just to take stock, you know, of the ways in which the fear of man, you know, through the lens of exposure, rejection, harm, um, has has kind of taken you hold. And, and I would encourage you to do that this week. Um, it's one thing to just sit here and take notes and and laugh and say that's great, uh, but you know, I would I would encourage you. I'm certain there's been a lesson that has been impactful to you. So I would encourage you to uh, just to think that through. How has the fear of exposure, rejection, harm at work uh, caused issues for me? How can I, um, how can I take obedience, uh, humility, obedience, and prayer uh, as a remedy?